Top 10 Thursday, starring me, Sean Lemmy, and John Otney, Colin Westman, and Matt Carstens. And Mad Men is back on TV for two episodes now. Three, if you count that first one as two, because it was two hours long. Did you guys watch any Mad Men yet? Oh, yeah. Well, you know I did, because I watched the first episode with you. Can you just play along, Colin? You, you don't like that? You like to act like we watch Mad Men separately? We yeah. did he doesn't last want to. Yeah, he doesn't want you to people to know that he watches TV with you. Uh-huh, it's kind of good. He wouldn't sink to that level watching TV with me. What, what's gay about it? <laughs> Dudes watching TV. A- anytime it's two men alone, it's gay. <laughs> that's, that's the society we've crashed. Um, unless you guys uh, prefaced it with a no homo. No homo, but I want to watch Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> but no homo, no homo. No homo, dude. Bro. Bro, yes. I don't think you'd ever catch Don Draper saying bro. I don't think so. So that ties into our topic this week because uh, it looks like most of the season is going to take place in uh, 1968, which we will actually be on track with this podcast. Since last year we did 1967, even though most of last season took place in 1966. Whoops. Time is hard. Yeah, they never like straight up tell you. Plus, it was hard with that one because I think I had to try and figure it out before the season's premiere even aired. So I think I just looked it up and some anonymous source told me that it was 1967. What a coward. Me? No, whatever. The, the anonymous source. Okay. It all worked out, man. Yeah. It's all good, baby. Anyway, uh. 68, another another really good year for music. I mean, I feel like all the years that <laughs> encompassed the late 60s and early 70s just had a ton of great albums. Lots of classics. Um, well, that's good because this is apparently an annual tradition. We still got at least one more season of Mad Men ahead of us. Yeah. We just got to hope that some other show comes along that takes place in the early 70s. Boogie Nights show, anyone? <laughs> Boogie Nights, the TV series? The animated series. The animated the series. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Shall we uh, just get to it, I guess? Uh, well, first one. Yeah, yeah. You got something to say? Sir. I feel like there was more on this list. Did anyone want to just like give a little shout out at the beginning? Stuff that got pre-eliminated. Uh, I, 
I think I put a Beach Boys album on here, but I'm like, eh, it's not that good, though. There's just one <laughs> song I like on it. I'm more excited for when we do 1969 for the Beach Boys. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, that's good then. Uh, so we know we're, we're all pretty passionate about the remaining 13 on the list. Uh, and the first one is Lady Soul by Aretha Franklin. Which is a fun album to listen to on the bus. What makes this such fun bus listing, John? Uh, it's just one of those albums that I associate more with my mom listening to. Kind of like Tapestry by Carole King, where it's like I really like it, but it's also an album I've mostly heard because my mom's listening to it in the living room. No, I have the, that exact same relationship with this album. <laughs> I think one year I got my mom this album and the uh, the one before this uh, that we talked about on the 67 podcast this one kind of just leaves off where that one got got the ball rolling where where Aretha Franklin really came into her own as you know just one of the great soul artists of the 60s and this one's this one's a little funkier it's got a little more of a, a swagger to it uh, yeah I'm all about it fun sure does have a great voice sure does um we got nothing to say about this one do we it's just gonna be like last time we talked about aretha franklin it's like oh she's good gotta pay our, our dues but how much do you listen to aretha i mean you know, I don't. I really don't, <laughs> except when we do these 60s podcasts, apparently. But whenever I put on the Aretha Franklin, I'm like, this is, this is fucking sweet. Which is a thing I have a problem with listening to most music that's outside of my, I don't know, white guy alternative rock comfort zone. And I guess we could get into that later because I have that same thing with country music where I'm like, I should probably explore more of this genre, but I never get around to it. Well, that's okay. It's not like you guys are any more adventurous than I am. Hey, man, like I said, I was listening to this on the bus. People are like looking around, being like, who's listening to Aretha? This guy, I can hear it coming out of his headphones. Like, You're guilty. blasting it that you could hear it over the. the noise <laughs> He's one of those of guys bus. that just doesn't have headphones in his iPod. Just plays it out of the little speaker. Uh, yeah. I, I got one of those backpacks with speakers built in. <laughs> <laughs> March like, around, <laughs> grooving. That's such an asshole thing to own. <laughs> Says I don't yeah. care about anyone but me. It's, it's hard to think when is a good situation to carry one of those around alone in the desert blowing in the desert alone in the desert alone in the <laughs> desert <laughs> I don't know why you can just listen to headphones you just blast it you're like I fucking own this desert yeah. I'm the only one alive you're making math or something okay 
Making meth and yet announcing it by blasting music out of your backpack. You're hella far in the desert, Sean. No one's out there. That's that's a dangerous assumption. When you're mething. Don't meth around. <laughs> Next album on our list is Music from Big Pink by the band. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the band I love because of the vocals. I love that mixture that the three uh, three main vocalists have because they all have this. I don't know how it happened that they all kind of sing in this similar, very sort of like just emotional, almost like tearful sort of thing. But it works together in a really really amazing way uh this album's got the weight on it I, I, I love that song it's one I never tire of hearing really all those songs on it are really good and it's definitely in line with a lot of these albums that we'll talk about in that it kind of it kind of reflected a return to sort of the basics of rock and roll you know, people had gotten sort of tired of the psychedelic shit. They're like, let's let's tone it down a bit. Let's put some piano up up in this bitch. That's what I said. Yep. <laughs> I don't actually know that much about the band outside of their music. Like, weren't they affiliated with Bob Dylan before this? Yeah, they started out as Bob Dylan's backing band like 65 66 which was when dylan went electric and his fans were all pissed off at him they were the dudes he brought on tour and then i think after that dylan and the band went to this pink house in woodstock new york and that was where they recorded the basement tapes which are, it was basically a bootleg album that didn't get released till like 1975. And then after that, they made this album. Bob Dylan painted that painting on the cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that supposed to be them? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think he got them very well. Yeah. Guys played a pot on his. He's got a pot on his head, and uh, the other guys pushing a guy on a piano. Yeah, they need two guys to play <laughs> piano because apparently one of them has to. Well, I'm do pretty it sure Garth Hudson is just two men in a costume. <laughs> That's right. He's got a. That's why he's guy. so insane. <laughs> you listen to that guy talk. Maybe. God, he's like crazy. That's why he like didn't have any screen time in uh, what's it, the last waltz. He's insane. Yeah, I always find it interesting with the band. Like everyone knows about Levon Helm, but Richard Manuel is so integral to the band, and 
I feel like he's an unsung hero in that group because he's he's really uh, interesting figure. I shall be released is one of my favorite songs from the band, and his vocals are so emotional. I think I saw. I think I first heard that song in like a Will Ferrell movie. That that one where he had to sell all the stuff. Like he had to sell his house or something. What was that called? Everything must go. That, yeah. yeah. Finally got me like more into this album. Okay. <laughs> Just thought I'd put that out there. If you like uh, Will Ferrell, you'll like the band. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I love the harmonies. I love the the, the rootsiness. I've always been like so surprised, like how like American it feels, even though like some of them are Canadian. There's like, not yeah. that big of a difference, though. So I don't know. It's like they get it, though. No, there's definitely a difference. <laughs> but, like, what are they in the, in the '60s? What what big uh, cultural differences? I mean, I'm sure they were like living in America, you know touring and being with Bob Dylan and stuff. I, I doubt that there was any... Out of bags. I doubt that there was any huge cultural barriers that they had to get over to understand. Does that make sense? I don't know. Do Canadian people get culture shock when they come down here? From, like, little things, like how to spell color, but, like, not... <laughs> I don't think it's the same. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty different from... You know, like living in China or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did a good job adapting. Yeah, it's a good album. As is the White Album. What's up with that? What, I always did, thought it was called zero eight four nine nine four. It's like a sci-fi epic. Eagerly, <laughs> if you play it backwards. Does anyone remember the story? Like, if there's a neat story behind this one, White Album, the title? I, no, I just mean the fact that they Beatles went in. You're like, you know what? Well, let's just record like a million songs. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that was basically the the story. Is they didn't they didn't really have a grand concept for this one. They just kind of went in there and did their own thing. And it is definitely each of them exploring their own sort of more personal tendencies as songwriters. I feel like there's a lot of songs where it's where there isn't even all four members playing on on the songs. There's probably like a few, just cool. a handful, where they're actually playing as a band. I remember Ringo like quit just for a little bit during these sessions. Like he doesn't play on a handful of songs, or a few songs. Paul McCartney plays drums instead. Mm-hmm. Um, Ringo's song isn't very good on this one. <laughs> but aside from that, there's so much great stuff here. 
Sometimes I think this might be my favorite just because of the wealth of material and the diversity. It just shows, God, they had all sorts of ideas, all sorts of different genres and styles. I mean, it's kind of like a, there's a sloppiness to it, but I, I kind of like that. Like there's a spontaneity to it. It's like, oh, I just wrote a song. Let's record it. Let's get going right now. Like they do anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is kind of alluring in in the face of the rest of the Beatles albums that were created around this time where it's like they're just straight up masterpieces. Like every song's amazing. But this one, you kind of see the rough edges around the Beatles. You, you get to see them in a more down-to-earth light, which is, which is cool. Yeah, I, I have a hard time getting through the second uh, second disc. Doesn't doesn't quite do it for me towards the end, but... I can't remember the last time I tried to listen to all of Revolution Number 9. Yeah. I think I've done it once. Because <laughs> at one point, I was just such an album purist. We're like, okay, this is a classic album. I gotta experience it all the way through at least once I mean that's probably a waste of time well Paul McCartney hated it George Martin hated it even more everybody hated it <laughs> that's a lot of the good stuff too I love all the just little acoustic stuff like Blackbird and Mother Nature's Son and I Will just the really stripped down stuff because the you know, this is coming off of what Sgt. Pepper is so grandiose. It's nice to see him step back a little and be like, oh, there's still just like people that play songs. There are still men. You know what I'm saying? I think so. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't put it up there as one of my favorite Beatles albums just because, I don't know, it is a little scattershot for me. There are definitely songs where I'm just like, it's all right. Not not in love with them, but at the same time, it's the Beatles, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's why I like it. It just got like this vibe to it that just like kind of fun and. But it does have some of my favorite goes. songs, like "My Guitar Gently Weeps." Yeah. And back in the USSR is pretty sweet. Sure. And I've heard a lot of people like bash Obladi Oblada. What do you guys think of that song? I, I, like I, that song. I I've heard people be like. Like people like Danny Bonaduce, who are like <laughs> trashing that shit on the radio. It's incredible source. Incredible music. I, I like that song a lot. I like it a lot too. Uh, I just know some people are. Alright. I don't like hate it. I just like. Eh. It's just there. It's fine. <laughs> Alright. Alright. I got the, uh, like, you remember when the anthology came out and they released, like, the CD, like, anthology discs, too? They'd have, like, two discs and they'd have, like, a bunch of outtakes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have the anthology three disc and it's, like, got, like, all these white album, like, outtakes and it's, like, four, like, discs long. And there's, like, so much. There's, like, uh, even a handful of songs they didn't even put on. And, like, I remember there's this one that was, like, that John Lennon and George wrote, and it was like the worst thing ever. <laughs> God, what was that? It was something about Mary Jane. God, what was that called? George and John just weren't meant to write songs together. <laughs> it didn't work. Just stick to Paul and John, and George could do his own thing. But yeah, they were just trying anything, you know. That's 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 kind of that kind of interesting to me. Oh, I mean, there are some like really like dumb like songs, like Piggies. 
Yeah. Like, I can't believe George gets what? Like, on this, he got, like, however many, five, six songs. And, like, he's like, well, I got to go with, I gotta go with Piggies. <laughs> it's one of my best songs I've ever written. <laughs> How could a grown man write that song? <laughs> he was on a lot of drugs a lot of the time. What are you talking about? It was about? the 60s, man. Anything was, anything was acceptable. And that song I was trying to think of is What's the New Mary Jane? And I don't recall liking it. So it's been a while. Paul McCartney's in rockin' form, though. Helter Skelter. Why don't we do it in the road? It's like some heavy shit. You know what I'm saying? Gross. Maybe they're so experimental because, like, you know, they've just gone to India. And, you know, like, some of this stuff they started developing while they were over there. I know, like things like the like the picking like the pattern the picking pattern for Julia like John Lennon like learned that like Travis picking from Donovan when they were over <laughs> in in India and you know Paul McCartney wrote Dear Prudence over India so I guess they were probably just like totally like high like really <laughs> high <laughs> I don't know. it sounds like they wrote a bunch of those songs when they were in India which makes sense. At least for Paul McCartney songs, because they are mostly just acoustic. Well, even back in the USSR, wasn't that, uh, what's his face, Mike Love? And he went to India, too. He's like, hey, he's read a Beach Boy song. Fuck Mike Love. <laughs> what do you say that? Because he's the worst person. He's pretty bad. <laughs> it's funny, I almost started putting that Beach Boys album on here, too, and Mike Love isn't on like that album practically at all because he was in India. Yeah. It's interesting. It's all connected, man. You're an asshole. <laughs> wearing a hat all the time. Come on. Baseball, baseball caps don't rock. Other the Beach Boys really rock, but I don't know. Anyways, right. let's move on to a group that I think the Beatles. Hung out with a couple times. Uh, the Birds with the Notorious Bird Brothers. person under like 60 who cares about the birds but I think they're pretty cool this is definitely their weirdest album of all the ones they did with sort of the original lineup um, it's weird it seems like the birds were trying to break up like immediately from where they when they formed and I think that by the time they had finished recording this album David Crosby had left the band which is why they replaced him with a horse on the album cover oh man did the horse do it? did the horse like take a roll on the band <laughs> yeah they gave him lead vocals <laughs> I don't know what a horse could do as far as music percussion percussion yeah, he could like 
you can like kick a gong, like you just put it behind him, and then you like tug his neck or something. <laughs> I don't know many bird songs that feature gong, but I think it'll work good. Something seem pretty trivy. Yeah, it is. All just the names, even artificial energy and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like that song at the end it's about going into space. I was digging it. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Can't remember it that well, but uh, I was digging. I was digging it. Right. And I'm under 60, at least last time I checked. Okay. Because your taste in music are kind of similar to a 60-year-old band. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, for the horse. <laughs> yeah, the horse really pulled it all together. Secret <laughs> weapon. The band fell into hard times. He's like, come on, guys. Put <laughs> the back into shape. <laughs> the horse is like, let's write about space. I'd love to meet a horse where that's the kind of shit he's talking about. <laughs> Can't make this again. Yeah. I mean, that, that horse's influence is deep. You gotta dig deep for him, man. Worth it. Why are they so notorious on this album? I don't know. Doing so much drugs, I assume. Uh, that right now had space. Yeah. Probably something with drugs. Fun stuff, though. Don't yep. feel like you have to linger on a topic that you have nothing <laughs> to say about. No, that, that is a problem we always have. It's like, eh, should we? Move on. Should we talk what? about that? What? Wheels of Fire by Kareem. Oh. I don't think anyone will be able to understand that. Alright, so Wheels of Fire is like a little bit of everything. Like... It's got the, the kind of the bluesy sound of the first Scream album, and then like the more psychedelic stuff um, from the second one, and then it's got like live tracks. Like it's freaking all over the place, but it's it's kind of a trip. I'm, I'm kind of all about it. Uh, White Room is the first Scream song that I was ever aware of. I remember I actually heard about it uh, from the Disney Channel. Uh, let me explain that a little bit. <laughs> they used to do these, like, things where they'd talk to, like, stars of Disney shows and, like, oh, what do you like to do? What music do you like? And I remember they're interviewing, like, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> like, 11-year-old Shia LaBeouf or, or whatever. He's like, I like to bang chicks. And... <laughs> Basically. But he was all, like, I'm, like, really into, like, classic rock bands. Like, my mom's, like, a hippie, so, like, I really like Cream. Like, White Room is, like, my favorite song ever and stuff. And I was like, sick, I think he's so cool as 11-year-old. I'm like, I don't know why I'm judging him. I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> and then I think I didn't get into Cream till like, I saw, like, VH1's, like, the hardest rockin' bands. <laughs> <laughs> I finally 
got into them and kind of just went at all the albums at once. And I don't even feel like it was in any particular order. And this one was, uh, it was really, it was the weird one, but I don't know. I think it's still a lot of fun. I, it, it shows you like some other sides to them. Like, as you said, is like an interesting acoustic song from Jack Bruce. Like, they didn't really do acoustic stuff as much. It's kind of like Zeppelin-y, too, because it's like really weird tuning, and there's like strings, and I feel though like, uh, is this the one with Press Rat and Warthog? Yeah, that song. Press Rat and Warthog. That song's fucking stupid. <laughs> with Ginger Baker talking about some, I don't know what he's talking about, Press Rat and Warthog. Some Sounds like some, some, uh, never mind. <laughs> Like all that stuff's weird, but then you got like White Room, like that song just rocks. That's awesome, and like Politician, those are the dates. And of course, it's got it's it's got, it's got crossroads. crossroads. That's like, the song. We'll that, like, if you're like a 50 year old dude and you play like shitty venues, like this is your bread and butter. Like Crossroads, you like Crossroads Mall. <laughs> crossroads. You like kind of suck, but you're like, dude, you're playing Crossroads. Yeah, I feel like. Man, when they yeah. play Crossroads. You're not gonna do that solo justice. You're 50 years old. You suck. All fat, like balding. What's, what's the point? Like, stick to stick to something easy. Like that is one of the all-time classic guitar performances. I think if there's one song you can show, like, well, how you know, good Eric Clapton. You know, why people called him God. It, you could probably go with Crossroads. The other live songs on this album are, are interesting, though they, they do kind of drag on a little bit. Like, they do a 16-minute version of Spoonful, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. And Toad, yeah? That's, it's so long. It's so long. I don't think I've ever finished that. Toad is cool, though, because that's like you're soloing on drums for, like, God, 10 minutes. And he's he's really interesting. Uh, he's, he's great at soloing, so I, I enjoy that. Yeah, I don't know. It's all of that. It's kind of hard to put into words. <laughs> John, you like this album, right? Did, I think you said this was your favorite of the Cream albums once. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not that hard. I feel like Disraeli Gears is the only competition. Fresh Cream is sweet. That's my favorite. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because it's like poppy and it's punchy and... I don't know. Some of that just really works for me. I certainly wouldn't call Wheels of Fire like poppy. <laughs> like it's no. not like uh, Fresh Cream is. It's really got some really interesting production going on. There's all sorts of weird strings and bells and all sorts of cool stuff. I've still never been sure like what the starting of White Room like is. Like the... <laughs> it's just like R, I guess. It sounds... Uh, really cool or something. And then when they reunited, like they're doing like backup vocals, like a little bit. I'm like, is that in the mix somewhere? Like, I just can't tell. Like, I don't even know. It just sounds so cool. And wah, the wah guitar stuff. In there. What a trip. I don't know what that song's about though. The white room with black curtains. Mm, it's about painting, I guess. I'll just assume it's like coke or heroin or something. Like whenever good. I whenever I don't get a song, I assume they're just singing about drugs. <laughs> I, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like that one is about drugs. It, but 
Maybe I heard that once. I don't know. That's something you hear about drugs. Yeah. Drugs. I mean, drugs are sweet. (laughs) But yes. Great three piece. Another great three piece is Jimi Hendrix Experience Electric Lady Land. favor with me like i hesitated to put it up for consideration even though it's certainly a classic album but for some reason i had this idea of it as sort of a bit too self-indulgent for Jimi hendrix but really it's it's not i think it was basically just that one song it's like 15 minutes long where he's singing about being a merman or something (laughs) that song's pretty weird it's a dream yeah a bit much but the rest it's just kind of the same thing from the first two Jimi Hendrix experience albums but I think he explores some new territory where you, you get more of the blues you get him going into even sort of stranger psychedelic directions and uh, Scott got a couple of his signature tunes along the watchtower Voodoo Child. I guess that's one thing about this album is even though it gets sort of weird in parts, you you kind of got to stick through it because you're like, oh wait, no, I got it all along the Watchtower and Voodoo Child to look forward to. Didn't you guys? Didn't done. you guys rock out to that? Um, with like those Mormons. Oh yeah, the the All Star Mormon Band. Who was in that? Like that? I remember that was at. I was in high school at King. Was that at King of Palooza? That was King of Palooza, which oh, yeah. kind of sucked because, like, that was a thing in high school with the Defenestrators where we always wanted to play King of Palooza. And our, our sophomore year, we couldn't get Max to do it, so that didn't happen. And then the year after that, we wanted to play, but they didn't have enough time for us to go on, so that didn't work. Was that with the horns? Yeah, that was with the horns. So that was like in the gym or whatever? Yeah, yeah. we are just standing around with like, fuck this, man. <laughs> and yeah. then finally, senior year, we got to play with a bunch of morbid guys just playing like Jimi Hendrix songs. I don't know what else we played. Well, was it the Horn senior year? No, it was junior year. So we just like didn't do anything senior year? No, I think that was by the time we had gone on hiatus. Okay. So we're just like, let's uh, do this. Yeah. God, they were all like, the senior year were a clusterfuck. Remember, they, they fucked everything up. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> we reminisce too much. Let me ask you guys a question. I've only gone three albums deep into the Jimi Hendrix experience. I've This is as far as I've gone. Uh, I've listened to the two albums before this. Well, that's all they have. If you're talking about the experience, I think he recorded another one under the name like Jimi Hendrix and the Band of Gypsies or something. Honestly, I've only listened to those those three. I thought that that was all there was. Well, it is. If we're talking about the three piece, it's like a whole bunch on Wikipedia. 
Well, there's the he recorded so much material. They're always uh, doing like posthumous albums. They're, they're I mean, most of them seem like okay, but it's like I mean, he's dead. They're just doing it for the the money, you know, the lulls. They're just doing it for the lulls. That's gonna be <laughs> the name of his next one. He actually had one that came out like this year. Just Holy like, shit! Yeah. It's like, how did you record so much? <laughs> prolific, I suppose. Everyone's hella high on drugs, man. Especially Jimi Hendrix putting like LSD in his blood, like or his, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Everybody knows what I'm saying. If you played music, you know what I'm saying. We all do it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we put LSD just straight into our bloodstream. That's what it's all about, man. I like the cover with all the naked ladies. Ah, you like the original one. So many naked ladies. I know not of what you speak. <laughs> it's like the British album cover, but in America they're like, nah. Cancel that, Walmart. Yeah. yeah Walmart had a big part of it. Walmart. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was James W. Walmart who stopped that. <laughs> Someday I plan on owning a store. But first Walmart I have to cancel this bullshit. Someone needs to cancel his bullshit. Yeah, I think we all agree with that. I know Walmart was founded in 1962. It could have, it could have been an issue back then, right? I doubt they were selling CDs there at that point. Well, well I know that for a fact they weren't selling CDs. CDs. <laughs> they did exist. Yeah, they're selling like phonographs mm-hmm. or records. Whatever. One of the two. Stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to to Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. Early one morning while making the rounds, I took a shot of cocaine and I shot my woman down. I went right home and I went to bed. I stuck at loving for the idea for him to record an album at a prison? Yeah. Live album? Um, I don't remember. I think that was just something that kind of just developed in Johnny Cash's mind because he's always had sort of this fascination with outlaws and criminals. And his, you know, his first song basically was Folsom Prison Blues. I think it was just something he always wanted to do for some reason. It is such a strange idea, but he just had this thing where he connected with prisoners for some reason, maybe because he had spent some time behind bars. But it's cool. I mean, back when we did our concept albums podcast, I was, I was tempted to put this one, because it is sort of like the first live concept album. It's, it's recorded in a prison, and he's singing basically about prison about being on the outside of the law and and all that sort of stuff it's cool and it comes through in the performance too because you feel you feel this connection between him and the audience they're like all about him cheering about him singing about killing people and stuff (laughs) doing cocaine they're like yeah I've, i've done that 
it's morbid. Yeah. Zelms. Zelms also strange for me because it's like literally the only album I've ever been able to share with my dad. Like, my dad is the complete opposite of me in that he just, like, doesn't even listen to music hardly ever. It's just not something that's present in his life, which is, again, completely the opposite of me. But this one, I don't know, we could meet, we could meet in the middle with Johnny Cash for some reason. He just had that sort of, that thing about him where... He's an ex-convict. Next convict, yeah. It seemed like Everybody. he had a dark past. Uh, I don't know whether that has to do with my dad. He's, but... he's been to the white room. Your dad has a dark past. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. I'd be interested to know how much you know about that. Well, I don't. I'm interested to find out. Okay. So do live albums count as albums? <laughs> what do you mean? We have, we have to it's not eligible for the for the podcast. It's always List. eligibility concerns. Yeah, we're always trying to veto shit just on technicalities. <laughs> I don't know, were you ever gonna do like a top ten live albums podcast? Uh, maybe. That sounds kinda good. <laughs> It could work, but I don't know. I just feel like this album is kind of the defining Johnny Cash album. Like, if you want someone, if someone's looking to get into Johnny Cash, this is probably the best place to start. Because you get such a great sense of just his presence. I mean, he he takes all these standard songs and just, they're automatically better because he has the most commanding voice. Just something very haunting and just moving about it. I don't know. I I think I think it should be eligible. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we have the Kinks with Village Green Preservation Society. Baby, you don't know what you're saying because you're a victim of. Uh, picture book was the song that, that drew me in. It was in like a commercial for a printer. And I was like, dude, this sounds just like Walkie Talkie Man. Which at, that, which at that point in time was the greatest song I've written, as we all know. So I'm like, oh, I gotta check out the rest now to see if the rest sound like Walkie Talkie Man. I mean, anyways. But, you know, this is uh, very... Was that band? I don't know. <laughs> But Village Green Preservation Society is, I think, pretty accessible. It's a very British album, so if you're open, if you're open to British things, I think you'll enjoy it. It's, it's definitely got that feeling of like sitting down for your afternoon tea and like talking about your relatives and stuff, and it has this. British wit to it that is uh, kind of quirky and fun. The songs are just real poppy and, and catchy, and uh, it's good. interesting that th- this this is the song that you'd like. Yeah, good. That this is like the album that you know I got into because like the earlier Kings were like so rocking. 
I don't know how they somehow made this transition slowly to like just sitting back with like tea and I don't know. I guess Ray Davies just kind of wanted to explore uh, different kinds of songwriting. And I think it was way more interesting go taking it in that direction. Yeah, I think that was a thing for me that made it hard to get into the Kinks. Because, yeah, I, I first was drawn to them because of you, know, you Really Got Me and their other songs that are like that with just really raunchy power chords. And then I hear this and I'm like, this is this is kind of wimpy. <laughs> oh, no, 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 yeah, <laughs> but after a while, I was like, "No, this is this is great." Just uh, Ray Davies is a fantastic songwriter. Because of the song "Animal Farm," I imagine all this. So this is like the soundtrack to "Animal Farm" for some reason. I just imagine all the songs are like pig people and stuff. <laughs> it does seem like you could almost string it together and somehow create like a musical out of it. Like there's characters, and just you know. <laughs> Some about it. There's like they're like little self-contained like stories, which is kind of fun. And I'm glad that they continued on in this direction. I, I feel like their next couple albums were sort of similar, which is good. They're playing to their strengths, exploring these kind of concepts and stuff. Yeah, Arthur's really good, and we all know Lola is the best. It is I don't the best know album. No, it's not. We're good. <laughs> I don't like Ape Man. <laughs> oh, I love Ape Man. It's too dopey. 1970 list can't get here fast enough, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sure that was a good year. But fun, little quirky. Just like the next album, Os Mutantes. I pray that's right. Self titled debut. a band that I heard about from the immortal classic Nacho Libre. <laughs> it's funny how I get into like these this, the, the cool music from like the lamest things like, oh, I was watching a printer commercial. <laughs> I was watching Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> like, Osmotante is like this really interesting like psychedelic folk group from Brazil and I found out of a stupid Jack Black movie. I think the song, their song Bat Macumba was in it. Uh, what's also funny is that, like, I remember Beck being not the Libre soundtrack, and Beck is one of the biggest uh, fans of this band. I remember hearing him say, like, this is, like, all I listen to, like, my whole life. Like, he's, like, just, like, <laughs> he's so into it. Really and this, else? <laughs> well, this, this is what I thought music was. Just for, like, a handful of years, and, like, he's been a huge fan. Uh, they have a lot of famous fans. Uh, I think Kurt Cobain, like, wrote a letter to one of them once in, like, the 90s saying, like, you do, you guys should reunite. I'd be sweet. And they didn't. But they did in, like, 2005. Uh, but, yeah, they're a trio. And I guess you'd say it's it's psychedelic. It's kind of folk. They all harmonize together. I just I love the songs. There's so much piled on horns and all sorts of interesting harmonies. And uh, I think it's really beautiful. It, it's, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know, a hidden gem, maybe. I, I don't think that many people know about it. But I don't, I don't, I don't know that they're that obscure because... I remember they had a song like in a McDonald's commercial a couple of years ago. Uh, Amina Manina. 
is kind of a popular song. Like, they're huge in Brazil. So, you know. I had never heard of this album. You'd never heard of this album? And I listen to a lot of music, so it's, it's got to be kind of obscure. Well, it was in a McDonald's commercial, so you're not you're not listening to your commercial music. I don't pay attention to McDonald's commercials. But, uh... Yeah, I don't advertise. What, what do they have to gain anymore? They need to get people to buy their disgusting-looking rap concoctions. There's a commercial where like kids were playing soccer, so it's like, oh, well, let's get a Brazilian, <laughs> like a, a bikini wax. What? What? <laughs> let's get a Brazilian. Isn't that like when when, when they off. shave your your I pubic said- hair? A uh, Brazilian band is what I meant to. Brazilian band? Yeah. Well, that's not as funny. <laughs> but yeah, so Colin, you, I'm, 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 I'm surprised. Then you hadn't heard that it. It makes me feel oh. kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, you're a cool guy, I guess. Uh, yeah, so this was a nice little surprise. I, I think it's pretty cool because it is. It is definitely influenced by what was going on in in UK and American psychedelic pop music, but it's got that whole rhythmic Brazilian thing thrown on top of it, which makes it makes it not just seem like they're taking these styles and just ripping them off. They're they're doing their own cool thing with it. Yeah, they call it tropicalia, the genre. I'm not really exactly sure what that is, but it definitely has a lot of percussion and flutes. So it's like pan flute music, but then like psychedelic folk. That's Tropicalia, I, I think. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of different things at once, but it works. Sean, I know that you check this out as well. I How think. do you know that? Well, because like on Facebook, it's like, Sean, listen to such and such. Uh, my secrets are out. Yeah, I did, and I really liked it. I thought it, it held up really well. Uh, better than I had expected for the number nine album on Rolling Stone's list of the hundred greatest Brazilian albums of all time. <laughs> that existed. Uh, it's it's Rolling Stones Brazil. Oh. Their list. Yeah, I was confused about it too. The American roll, Rolling Stones thinking of oh, we need to come up with a hundred percent. on that list like ten times then. But yeah. I, I I was really pleased with this. I had it had a great sound. I love the psychedelic stuff mixed with the Brazilian stuff, kind of like what you guys were saying. You know, great fuzzy guitars or whatever those are called. I mean, that's not wrong. That works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's cool. Uh, but let's 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 go to something we all we all know about. Let's go to the, the what do we got? The Rolling Stones, Beggars Bank. So this is kind of where the Rolling Stones started to get really good. Like, they, I mean, they had already been around for four years and were putting out tons of classic singles, but I think once they realized that they should stop trying to be a pop group and start trying to be just this raunchy sort of 
British take on the blues that they were always kind of destined to be. That's that's when they kicked it into high gear with, I don't know, maybe the four best successive albums any band has ever put out. Uh, and it started with this one. This one's kind of country, and I like that about it. For some reason, I really like the more country-influenced Rolling Stone songs for some reason. Shouldn't work. They're British. They don't know about the South. They don't know about that shit. <laughs> yeah. I think when we did our 1967 list that I said, like, I don't really think the Stones came into their own, like, as an album band until Beggar's Banquet. So here it is. And yeah, I'm all about this album. I mean, it's got Sleeping for the Devil. Oh, yeah. Got Street Fighting Man. Oh, yeah. I've always, I've always loved that guitar in Street Fighting Man that, like, sounds, like, sort of electric, but it's, like, it's like an acoustic recording, like, a really weird way. I can't remember, but he they're really... He recorded it into, like, a like a transistor radio or something that had, like, a record option on it, and he's recorded it into there and then recorded that. Something like that. God, Keith Richards doesn't, like, get enough respect as, like, a, a, a musician, you know, somebody who creates art. Like, people are just so caught up on him, like, oh, he's doing heroin, falling out of coconut trees. <laughs> like, he is amazing songwriter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he really is kind of the heart of, of the Rolling Stones. And uh, everything they accomplished, basically. Of course, Mix makes a huge influence, too. I don't know if Mick Taylor joined the band at this point. This is kind of the period where they're trying to face Brian Jones out of it because they're like, you're doing too much drugs. (laughs) Maybe you should uh, go away. And then he did. And then he died. I I feel like he was only he was only into like really weird instruments at this point, like electric tambourine flute like he wouldn't like just sit down and like play guitar yeah just like he's on some other weird wavelength (laughs) he just didn't really work in this in the band anymore but yeah some good times I'm surprised Sympathy for the Devil like isn't like a movie yet it's it's a a cool commercial with Willem Dafoe you guys have seen that it's pretty good what do you mean? Do you mean like a movie called Sympathy for the Devil? I don't know. It's just like movie it seems, based on the song. I, I guess. I don't know. It just seems like so epic. It seems like it's it's it's, it's, it's so big. It could be more <laughs> like a stupid musical or something. <laughs> Rolling Stones musical called Sympathy for the Devil. It's going to make a lot of money. This was during like the rock and roll circus period, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably around that time. They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> I remember them singing like Salt of the Earth like at that with like all the crowd. And like no one's ever gonna see this. <laughs> but that doesn't make that doesn't make Beggar's Banquet any, any less awesome. Totally, totally cool. And I don't like the album cover, it's a turlet. Yeah. Or album covers need to be turlets. Keep that in mind for the next Poon album. Yeah, there aren't any coming to mind. Might be the only one. Well, I can think of a few, but another time. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, I, see, I've seen a totally different album artwork. It's just like a lame, like, classy party invite. 
think that might be the American version. I guess toilets were too raunchy back then. <laughs> and so that in Walmart. I mean, it had only been like... That's where you poop. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Another album that used to have pooping on the cover, uh, Sabbath Garfogo Heads. <laughs> Shitheads? What? Shitheads! <laughs> Okay, so we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like imagining the same album cover, but there's just like a big like pile of poop on each of their heads. <laughs> Leaves are brown. I'm just staring into the camera. Uh, this is kind of a weird album, but I feel like most Simon Garfield's albums are pretty good, so you know, might as well just throw it on there for fun. I mean, it's got some of the hits. It's got Mr. Robinson, uh, Hazy America. America. That's such a beautiful song. Oh, that is song. And like I was saying, Hazy Shade of Winter, as you, the Bengals famously covered it, but the original is pretty sweet, too. Sweet riff. Old Friends, a beautiful song. But there's like some weird stuff on here, like voices of old people. <laughs> I like that, that Garfunkel, like, is co-credited for writing that like it's literally just voices of old people it's like what did he do like he didn't I guess it was his concept <laughs> that's the best he can do it was like I have an idea for a song Let's I don't know how to write songs but I know how to record old people talking about random shit yeah I mean I don't know that most of the songs are that weird it's just they gel in kind of a weird way but it's an interesting way like they they were down to do anything Yes. Why does everyone that, hate Art Garfunkel so much? I feel like everyone hates him. Like, I don't fuck hate you, Art Garfunkel. Garfunkel. I don't know. I mean, he's an amazing singer. His voice is fantastic. I, I honestly kind of wish Simon had let him sing lead a bit more than he did. I think people had just thought Paul Simon was carrying like too much of the weight in that partnership. Like He might as well have just been a solo artist. But I, I mean, I think Garfunkel, yeah, I would also agree that he's such a great singer that he could have... He probably should have sang lead more often. Uh, so I, I, I'm, 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 I'm about him as a partnership. Bookends definitely isn't my favorite Simon Garfunkel album, but there's Simon Garfunkel, man. Yeah. What would you go with? Bridge Over Troubled Water? I would go with Bridge Over Troubled Water. Okay. Yeah. That one's, that one's pretty stacked with, with great songs. But Shitheads is a, is a good... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, An- another good one is Van Morrison, Astral Weeks. So I remember when we first decided to do this list, my, my reaction to us talking about Astral Weeks was, God, this album... It's like mind-blowingly good. And Sean, your reply was false. What's your beef? My mind is still in my head. I don't know. I just don't really like Van Morrison. Is, is, that, is that so wrong? I mean, I don't know. It's weird for me because I, I don't really... 
have much interest in the rest of his music because it's so much different from this one. Even though it's good, I, I mean, Moondance is the only other one I've heard. It's it's really good. It's more soul. This one, I don't even like know quite what it is. It just sort of encompasses a bunch of different genres, but doesn't really sound like any of those genres. I mean, there's certainly jazz, folk. I mean, because it's all sort of based around his acoustic guitar playing. And there's also these sort of sweeping orchestral arrangements that just sort of float in and out. And I don't know. This is definitely one that took me a while to get into. Like when I first heard it, I was I, I didn't really get what the big deal of that it was. But it seemed like every year I would give this album a chance. I'd listen to it a few times and just like with each passing year, this one has just grown on me so much. And it's, it's obviously unconventional. I mean, the songs have this very sort of free-flowing stream-of-consciousness thing going on. But it's... Oh, man. It's awesome. This first time was called Blowing Your Mind? Is, was, that, was that a thing you were doing? I didn't even know. I've just heard this album and uh, the song Brown-Eyed Girl because it's on the radio all the time. I'm sure you've heard other songs. Oh. No. I don't know them. Domino? You've heard Moondance. It's an American World from London. Well, there you go. It's Good a marvelous day. night for Moondance. Come on, Sean. Yeah. You know Michael, yeah. Michael Bublé. <laughs> uh, I think this album's pretty great. I think it's pretty good. Um, Sweet Thing is probably my favorite Van Morrison song. Yeah. So beautiful. My only minor beef with this album is I feel like every... There's so many songs that go like seven minutes just so the last three minutes can be Van Morrison going, and like he's really a, a great singer, but it's like, he probably cut like a minute of that, but it's, it's fun. Like he definitely is totally into jazz and I like how that even kind of goes into his acoustic music. It's kind of an interesting, like, combination that you don't usually see. Yeah, it's almost like he applies sort of the aesthetics of jazz to singing and lyric writing, which is so strange. Because <laughs> it, it feels like it's improvised, a lot of it, even though I'm sure it isn't. But yeah, no, I really like this album. I think it's probably his best. So I've only yeah I've heard this Moon Dance and I I had like a greatest hits. That's like pretty good. Yeah. how you start you know, like you're a kid you know you got you get the greatest hits. I had the greatest hits for a long time before I actually checked out a Van Morrison album. And I'm sure I only had it because of Brown Eyed Girl. <laughs> of course, the Defenestrator is the definitive version of that. Definitive. Definitive. Yeah. The definitive. Huh? That, that, that's uh-huh. their greatest hits is the the definitives <laughs> the, def, the definitive collection yeah. <laughs> that's that's a catchy name if I've ever heard one yeah. weird spelling another album with weird spelling is Odyssey and Oracle by the Zombies <laughs> And this will be our year to 
The zombies. So this was like they were like practically like broken up when this came out, if I recall. Like they got in and they recorded it, and then they're like, "Yeah, we're done. This, we're tired of this shit." And then half <laughs> the season becomes like their biggest song ever, and like the band doesn't even exist anymore. There's like this number one like hit song, and then this album with all these like really amazing just layered harmonies and just uh, amazing melodies and everything. I, I, I wasn't sure if the album was a hit. Was the album? I feel like it's just the song. Yeah, I kind of get that vibe too. That like Odyssey album, and Oracle was kind of overlooked. It's overlooked because it only really had one like real breakout single, but the rest of the songs are just so interesting. It's like baroque pop kind of. It's real smart. I want to say, <laughs> if that makes sense, I don't know. And I oh, feel no, like smart. It's, yeah. it's just yeah. The, the melodies are great. It's. It is sort of an interesting sound for its time. It's, it is very piano-based. It, it sort of feels like there's a classical influence on it. Yeah, I don't know, just a great pop album. It, felt, it feels more collaborative than some of the other zombie stuff I've heard. Because, you know, Rod Argent, he was the, the organist, keyboardist. He was the, pretty much their leader. And he actually got to sing lead on some of these. Usually, Colin Blunstone does all the vocals. And then their bass player wrote some songs, and he got to sing. Like, everyone was really, like, working together. I'm not sure why they broke up. <laughs> I guess they're just tired of this shit. That's all I can think of. I mean, I could, I could probably find out in, like, five seconds on Wikipedia, but that's for the viewer to go. That's your... Uh, the your viewer. Yeah. <laughs> this is on you. This is on you. I don't it's kind of the same thing with the that Birds album where they were all writing their own separate songs, but they're like, nah, uh, I'm not about giving you your your spot to shine on the album. I'm more interested in me. Yeah. <laughs> One of those kind of things. But I think like Care of uh, Cell 44 is probably my favorite zombie song. Like that song is just an amazing example of what you can do with vocals. Like... Wow, that just blows my mind. Uh, I love this. Oh, this is a great like summer album for me. I, I don't know. I guess because time of the season kind of was like a summer, like sexy hit. I mean, even the album came <laughs> spring. Yeah, making love all year round. Every season. Uh, I think that's all of our uh, our entries, right? Time for eliminations. Oh, shit, I forgot to put Traffic on here. I like that band. That was our first classic album. It's too late. Uh, So let's get down to it. Uh, How do you guys feel about Shitheads? (laughs) (laughs) Have we even called it by its real title yet? The very first time. (laughs) Okay. But I feel like it was muffled. That's why I couldn't understand it. I thought you said Shitheads. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I... Yeah, I, th- I don't know if it's the essential Simon and Garfunkel album. It's pretty good. It's a little uneven, even at 28 minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> Their albums are always really short. Yeah, I, c- I could do without it. All right. 
And not that I have any beef with this album, but I didn't actually listen to Lady Soul. I just didn't. I figured from your silence. Mm hmm. Uh, Check this out, John. Chain of Fools. First song on the album. Check this out. Third song on the album. Cover of People Get Ready. Fifth song on the album. You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Need I Go On? I respect those songs. I just don't feel like I'm the audience for those songs. That's like moms and stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> good music is good music. You know, I think it's a better album than, say, Cream's Wheel of F- Wheels of Fire, but I don't know. I don't know if I need to fight it since John's such a huge Cream fan. I, I don't, I'm not going to fight Wheels of Fire. If, if Sean, like, Sean was listening to the lady saw on the bus. And I hate cream, so. <laughs> yeah, but you just hate cream because you used to hate everything that I liked. <laughs> Is that true? Yes. It, it does seem kind of true. I don't feel like that was true. but Yeah, I don't know. You guys were both, like, into Jet. Yeah. That was a thing. I feel like there's some others. Anyways, yeah, I mean, we got cream on another list. I can, I can live with that. Like, that, like I don't listen to that album like all the way through. Like that album's fucking long. <laughs> okay, worth it. <laughs> to get long. like most of the way through it, at least. You, you know, that's okay. So I guess it would make sense to put Lady Soul at number 10 then. Right? Yeah. All right. And uh, I know Osmutantes is a, pretty new to everybody, so I, I'd be fine with that on the lower end too. I guess. I'm just a little bit confused about how we feel about the zombies. Oh, I really love the zombies. You... The whole album or just time of the season? The whole album. I said my favorite song was the first one. I was uh, Care of Self 44. My All second I remember is song. a lengthy discussion about time of the season. Mm, no. All I remember and from two minutes ago. That's, that's like my third favorite song on the album. Care of, Care of Self 44, I Want Her, She Wants Me. That's one where Rod Argent sings lead vocals. Then time of the season. Now, there's lots of great stuff on there. Yeah, honestly, at this point... <laughs> Season is like one of my least favorite songs on the album. It's pretty just so overplayed, and all the other songs are not at all, but they're fucking great. Yeah, I love Odyssey and Oracle. Uh, I think you guys would like it too, even though it's old and from the sixties. My neither of those are my problem. My problem is it's not available for me to listen to for free on the internet. I'm sure it is. It's, you could listen to it on YouTube if you really like would wanted to hear it. <laughs> I've sunk to that depth before. I'm not, not, not going back from again. going there again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when has music being old been a problem? I, I guess I'm just talking to Sean, basically. Colin has this perception that because I like to listen to new music a lot, I hate old music. 
I'm just not as nostalgic as you guys. I don't spend all my time thinking about the past. It's all about the future. It's about that's getting to Mars. Nos- that's not nostalgia. It's just enjoying good music. Yeah, I don't really have any feelings for the 60s. Like yeah. <laughs> Creativity is not like technology. It does not improve. I just like listening to new things, you know? Like I listen to this a few times and then I move on with my life. I don't I'm not I'm not stuck. I'm always looking for something new. Whatever. I don't even know why we're having this discussion. But if you haven't heard it, it's still new. <laughs> yeah, that's I didn't say I had a problem with listening to this. Colin just has you know, he has a problem with my life. Sean, I think you're a bad person, so <laughs> So what are you gonna do about it? Colin's I always show Colin like my list of albums I listen to in the year. He's like, I don't even like get this. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I show you like check out like the eighty albums I listened to this last year. There are some pretty good ones in here, and you're like, nope, don't care. Like how come I, I like I do listen to most of the albums you listen to? Well, I don't listen to the albums. I'll listen to a couple songs, and it won't interest me because it'll sound like every other band that's doing stuff today. I mean, my thing is I always want to hear something new, something that I haven't heard before. But I don't even know why we're talking about this. What should we put in number eight? I could go with Jimi Hendrix. That is correct. the same thing. Hendrix is one of those guys that, you know, I respect the hell out of him, but I don't really return to his music that often. I don't know why. It's just one of those things you listen to when you're a teenager. I'd like to say that I'd like you to take the lead on this one, Colin, but I don't know that you know what the lead should be. I don't. I mean, it's very hard to do a year like this when so many albums are just stone-cold classics. I don't even feel like there's a clear number one. Yeah, I don't know. It sounded like you guys didn't really speak fondly of the White Album. But I mean, isn't it hasn't a precedent been set that if it's the Beatles, it has to be number one? I'm, tr- I'm just like I'm, I'm just trying to get it top like three at least. All right. I'm completely fine with that. I'm, uh, I'm trying to get pretty high. It doesn't have to be number one. It just seems like when we talked about it, everyone just talked shit about it. <laughs> like how they're just dicking around, but it's still like it's still like amazing. We didn't get to that part, but it's still like amazing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I haven't heard at Folsom Prison since uh, many moons ago, so I, I, I'm a little foggy. That's why I'm really hoping you take the lead, Colin. And just say something, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, I'll I support mean, you. I, I guess I could be all right with at Folsom Prison going at seven, although, I don't know, the kinks I could do too. I mean, we already talked about it on the – the concept album podcast. I feel oh, yeah. like it's pretty high up on there. There, that's a that's a reason to do something. Okay, so we got that. So, 
Then we, if we put at Folsom Prison at six, that puts us at five now. Yeah. I don't know. Should we just do the zombies because Sean and Nancy haven't heard them? That's so oh, sad, but yeah, I guess so. I mean, I mean, would you put anything? I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I, I actually like it better than Beggar's Banquet, but... Um, you know, I probably do too. Yeah. So I I could go Beggar's Banquet and then, and then maybe like Odyssey and Oracle, I guess. Let's, let's do that. Uh, you know how I feel. Yeah, we already had this discussion. I'm like, so is the White Album just going to be automatically number one? Sean's like, yep, no doubt about it. It's the Beatles. I mean, it probably is my favorite at this point. I'm just putting that out there. But, uh, also worth noting... I think Astro Weeks is fine. I just I don't get it as much as you guys do. Maybe uh, maybe it'll click for me someday. It hasn't happened maybe. yet. I think it's but, one you need to spend some time with. But I, have. I really, really, really like music from Big Pink. Okay. Yeah, so do I. I probably like it better than the White Album. Nancy, why didn't you... You need to listen to more things. You could have been deciding... <laughs> I don't know. I haven't really been interested in... I guess like there's there's always stuff that I want to listen to like like a month ago I was like man you know I really like Art and uh, Simon and Garfunkel but I like I don't have any of their albums maybe I should listen to it. And I admit it, you mm-hmm. hate all this stuff because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I do have a little bit of a bias like uh, man it's like late sixties crap that I don't need to listen to. I, you know I feel like I've already got all the late sixties music that I want to listen to. But like listening to the you know these some of these tracks tonight, you know I, I like the zombies especially is a band that I've never really. You had, should definitely yeah. check that out, dude. Care of self four four, dude. Bro, right. don't worry about it. All right, bro. <laughs> no homo. Yeah, you guys can put Big Pink on top because I just it's two against one I think at this point, so that's fine. So, so then, think- Astro Weeks at three. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Even though it's probably my favorite, but glad glad to see it up there high, and that's good enough for me. So when you say Big Pink on top, do you mean at number one, or just on top of Astro Weeks? I mean on top of uh, everything. <laughs> I'd I'd actually be okay with that. Me too. Even though it is the Beatles. All right, it's okay. They'll they'll make up for it whenever we do the 1969 one because I know we all we all love Abbey Road so much. Uh, okay, so our top ten albums of 1968, sponsored by Mad Men and horses and McDonald's. Number ten, Lady Soul by Aretha Franklin. Number nine, Os Mutantes by Os Mutantes. Number eight, Electric Leyland by Jimi Hendrix Experience. Number seven, Village Green Preservation Society by The Kinks. Number six, At Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash. 
number five, Beggar's Banquet by the Rolling Stones. Number four, Odyssey and Oracle by the Zombies. Number three, Astro Weeks by Van Morrison. Number two, The Beatles by The Beatles. Number one, Music from Big Pink by The Band. And our band is Mild Beast. If you count me, because I was never in the Defenestrators. And uh, we have a website, mildlypleased.com. We have an iTunes page, which is more than the Defenestrators can say. And, uh... Wow, just taking shots. <laughs> well, I, I got put on the defensive pretty early in the list making. So it's hard to come down from that. Uh, and if you guys are still, like, feeling that rush from this podcast, then I would recommend you go backwards and, and listen to a few of our older episodes or just wait a week because we'll be back next week with another exciting list. Don't you say no, don't you say no.